Welcome, disciple makers, and thank you for joining us. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board Discipleship Team, led by Scott Sullivan, exists to help churches take the next step toward becoming a healthy, disciple-making church. We've developed tools to help you, like the Watershed Principle, which identifies six main ministries needed to be a healthy church. The Spark Conference, a total church strengthening event that allows you to access keynotes and breakouts all year long for ongoing training in your ministry area. Access it today at thesparkconference.com. We're also setting up learning communities across Georgia to sharpen, encourage, and resource leaders personally and professionally. Find a community near you at gabaptist.org discipleship. Don't forget, you can find our previous episodes on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and your favorite podcast platform. Now let's join today's broadcast. Well, welcome, discipleship friends. Thank you for joining us, joining us today on our broadcast uh, on Georgia Baptist Discipleship. We're so excited that you're part of our audience today. Our team exists to strengthen churches by resourcing, inspiring, and in creating disciple makers. And our primary audience is Georgia Baptist churches, but we have folks from all over the world that literally come in and watch this, and we're grateful for that as well. It, it, the target audience is pastors, second chair leaders, lay leaders, and smaller churches too. We tend to focus on large churches a lot, but 88% uh, of Georgia Baptist churches averaged less than 250 in worship service. So that's most of us. So we want to make sure we're connecting with you guys today and share this uh, Facebook link with others so that they'll know that we're on right now and they can join in. Today's topic is uh, uh, talking about older adults or senior adults uh, in relationship to disciple making and what does that look like? And uh, many churches have uh, a larger group of older adults that attend and, and their pastors need to understand how to best work the disciple making strategy with those older adults that are in the church. Um, those that are involved in the church, they view discipleship maybe sometimes more of a program than uh, a directive from scripture and making disciple makers and not just making disciples. So going beyond that and having that opportunity to do that in that fourth quarter of life. Uh, today we have two guests with us. One is Mike Keaton, and the other is Paul Smith, and Mike is the executive pastor of church development at Cross, Crossroads Church in Noonan, and Paul is also a member of that church, and uh, they both serve alongside Ken Adams with Impact Discipleship Ministries, uh, and they're both consultants and are out there helping and serving churches around the state and literally probably around the world as well, and uh, thank you guys for being with us today. Thank you, Mike. It's great to be with you guys and appreciate you guys inviting us to be a part of this. And we're real proud of our connection with you guys and thankful for the opportunity to, to do this together today. All right. Thank you. I'll give that a big amen. Okay. And uh, right. I, agree, I agree with Mike. What a, what a neat opportunity to speak to our brothers and sisters uh, in Christ across the Georgia Baptist. And it's just a delight. Well, thank you both. So let's just jump right in here. Um, just a real solidly basic question. Can effective discipleship occur with senior adults? And yeah, they attend 
they attend worship. They have their Sunday school class on that third door, that, on that third classroom on the left that still have the curtains in it from 30 years ago. You know, you know the story. You know the room. And uh, they participate in the church activities. They're there on Wednesday nights many times. Uh, but they've been soakers for a long time. But they've never really gone into a mode of seeking others who need to be discipled and becoming disciple makers. Uh, Mike, lead us off with that. What do you think about that? And where are we with that? Can, can we really do a good job of uh, helping senior adults be disciple makers? Well, thank you, Mike. And, and yeah, to be the short answer is yes, I, I think we can. And I think we have to believe that as really a, a philosophical belief, to be honest, because there's multiple you know, aspects of that, right? But the first one is, um, I mean, Jesus gave us the mission and he did not, you know, put an age limit on that, that mission. And so mission to making disciples applies to everyone of all ages and all demographics and, and, and so forth. And so, uh, so uh, yeah, I think it can happen uh, with uh, all age categories. And I think the, the operative word though, in term in your question was effective. Can it be effective? And I think obviously it can too, but I, there's a lot of factors that go into that, you know, and I think there's got to be a lot of vision casting. Uh, there's got to be buy-in. There's got to be um, purpose, you know. I think when uh, others get into that fourth quarter of life and feel like it's time to retire and just kind of sit back and take it easy and enjoy and all that, you know, I think they need to understand that there's more purpose that they can have, you know, and uh, and maybe even as God intended it to be. And so, so yeah, I, the short answer is yes, based upon the mission Jesus gave us, uh, not being age graded, so to speak, you know, um, effective uh, is the operative word. And so probably some discussion on that would be needed, maybe. Paul, are we being effective? What do you uh, think? Well, I think we can do a better job. You know, I think about uh, Nehemiah in the book of Nehemiah chapter one, Nehemiah had a burden, okay? He saw the condition of the Jewish exiles as they returned to Jerusalem and the walls needed to be rebuilt. And, uh, you know, he prayed and, and God answered his prayer. You know, my first thoughts would be, uh, you know, as a senior citizen or senior adult, pray for a burden. Ask God to give you a burden. If ever there was a need for effective disciple making in America, it's now. Okay, you know, we all agree that Christ's return is coming. Okay, and there's many souls that can be saved and they can grow on to maturity in Christ Jesus. When I think about this question, I, I think about the fact that senior citizens have years of wisdom and years of life that they can invest into the younger generations. And that's been the group that I primarily focused my efforts toward as a disciple maker. I try to reach people in their 30s and 40s and some in their 20s because I, I know what it's like to have lived in those time frames, okay, with small children and then later on adult children and, and that. And, uh, but, and I was personally discipled, but I, I got caught up in the traditional church methodology. And so I didn't do the discipling that I could have done had I just continued the efforts that the man who taught me. Uh, so as I approached retirement a few years ago, 
I felt a clear call from God that I was to go and make disciples. There was no question. God connected me with Ken Adams and I got some mentoring from him and plugged into a small group that he was teaching at the time called 315 Leadership. And it changed my whole life and allowed me to go back into the old country church in Alabama and, and teach pastors. We taught nine pastors over there, 315 Leadership. And one of those pastors is a great church planner down in Orlando, Florida today, an area called Lake Nona. And he, he's got so many young people, young college age peoples and all of this. It's just, it's been a wonderful experience. I want to also share a story real quick. Uh, one of the men that I, uh, I really love this man. I could see that he had a heart for evangelism. And so I invited him to a conference we had over in Alabama called Expo. And it was over at Sanford University. So he went with me and, and uh, we took a car load that day. I took one of the men that I was discipling, a young man, and he was in his 30s. And this, this senior citizen friend, he, he's now 78. And so he was around 70 when I took him to Expo. So we got over there and boy, God lit the fire in the man's heart. Then later on, our church began to grow groups, small groups of disciple makers. He became one of the first leaders. And then from there, uh, he's since moved over here to Noonan. And he, uh, he actually started leading a group, led a group for two years over there in Alabama, and then turned it over to one of the other leaders who was also a senior citizen. And then, then came to Noonan and uh, he actually joined a different church than ours. I, I had hoped he would join ours. And he said, well, Paul, this other church in town, not making disciples. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I think God's sending me there. And so he's over there now uh, preparing to lead a, a disciple making class. And uh, pretty, it, it excites me when I think about that. That's, that's real multiplication. That's right. And I think that's, that's a key word there, Paul, is, is the multiplication of disciple makers, not just the addition of the disciple makers, because when we get into addition, we think more programming. When we think multiplication, we get outside of the box and we get into a whole different perspective where we, we actually reach more people with the gospel and we see more disciples made through the multiplication of folks in disciple making. Um, you know, some of our, um, these boomers, these folks that are moving into the fourth quarter, and I'm just moving into that, the very beginning stages of that, we won't get into that, but um, they place their security in a lot of things. And uh, they, they, they've held on to that 401k and they're finally looking at the opportunity to cash in on getting that and, and always wanted to take that cruise or take, go to that place or this place and, and do those things. Uh, and they put their trust in their health. They put their trust in, in their things. And now they're coming into that phase of life where some of that's not working out too well. And uh, what are your thoughts on how we can help those with that frame of mind of trusting the wrong things to finish well in Jesus and to have an everlasting legacy and impact uh, on, on this earth as they go to be with Jesus? What do you think about that? Uh, Mike, are you seeing that um, uh, as... As, is that happening at Crossroads? Do you see that happening? Yeah, even though we have a, a pretty strong disciple-making focus, vision, strategy, you know, everything, our, our church is 
really passionate about that whole process. Uh, and you said a while ago that uh, many people view it as a program. It's truly a process of taking somebody on a journey from one point to another. And, um, you know, so even though we have all of that, yeah, there's still that reality of, you know, people uh, entering that fourth quarter of life and, you know, they've, they've worked hard their whole lives and now they want to enjoy, you know, and sit back and uh, maybe they've, they've taught the Sunday schools, maybe they've taught the small groups and it's time for letting somebody else do it type of mentality that that comes into play sometimes. So we certainly see that for sure. Uh, I think it's a human thing, to be honest. And that's why I think vision and, uh, you know, that has to be cast over and over and over and consistently and constantly, you know, uh, so that, you know, and you used the word boomers a while ago. I do think that, I mean, I have, I, I remember hearing the stats, but I never wrote them down. But, you know, we're entering that time frame where we had this huge demographic of boomers getting ready to retire. And these are going to be people who are readily available, still, you know, young and active and, and can and can do a lot. And, and so we really have to figure out how to strategize to to mobilize them. You know, and I would say somebody who's worked their whole life, 30, 40, 50 years, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, have fun, enjoy, you know, uh, get that, go on that cruise or whatever it is you want to do. Right. Um, but I think the key is, is casting the vision for disciple making and realizing that that is what Jesus called us to do. You know, Jesus said in John 17, four, when he was in that high priestly prayer, praying to his father, he said, I have completed the work you gave me to do. And I think at the end of our lives, we want to be able to say that same thing and and not just say, yeah, the last, you know, 15, 20 years or whatever it's been, uh, I've, I've, I've vacationed myself to death, you know, or, or this sort of thing. And I, something we used to say is to, to not live for yourselves, but live for the kingdom of God. And and I think there's a great opportunity when they enter that time frame of life to really, you know, use their resources, their time even their money, uh, their, their experiences, uh, their wisdom uh, to pour into even the next generation coming behind them. So I think, uh, yeah, we see it, um, but we have to constantly cast vision, you know, towards that and, uh, and encourage them, you know, to, with that purpose of, all right, here's how you can give purpose to that fourth quarter. Yeah. And that, and, and we know that the fourth quarter ultimately determines who wins the game. Yes. And uh, when, when you're playing a game, because that's where the final score is placed and that's where our legacy is set. Yes. It's in the fourth quarter. Uh, yes. I've gone to enough funerals to know and people, people will talk to me. We hear the story of how they finished and finished well, not so much what they did when they were 18 years old or 23 years old, but we hear about how they finished. And I think finishing well is huge and it's a legacy for everyone they know. And it's a legacy for their family too. Absolutely. Um, and leaving that legacy. What's up you, Paul, about yeah. leaving that legacy? Thank you. I, uh, oh, that is so important. Um, I uh, went to a funeral I guess it's been about two years ago, October, of the man who discipled me. And they had, uh, they had a video of his life story. And this man had founded a group called Fellowship of Christian Airline Personnel. It's been 50 years in the ministry now, 50 years, okay? And he, he, he discipled a few men a year, and he, 
He allowed me to be one of those five men. I think it was five. And I would drive, I would take time off of work and I would drive down and meet him in Fayetteville, Georgia and, and, uh, and just learn from him. And as we went through some discipleship training and, but, but his legacy was incredible because both my wife and I, we were, we were looking at his, his, his story as they would talk about it and put the slides up with different verses. And they said, well, that's me. That could be my story now. And, and you know, it was, mm-hmm. it, it, it was so incredible that the very verses that spoke about his life were some of the same verses that, that I uh, labored under for the, for serving the Lord and, and just understood and, and uh, wanted to be no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. The, Christ is the hope of glory. And so if we will, even as senior citizens, maybe we have resisted some of the work of God. Well, let's not resist any longer. Lord, give me a wholehearted love for you. You look at Caleb and his life. I, I was saying from over in uh, Samuel here, Second Samuel nine. Uh, well, no, I'm, no, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I'm bad mistake. There, it's, uh, it's uh, Numbers, Numbers fourteen twenty four. Numbers 14, 24, but my servant, Caleb, has a different spirit. He follows me with his whole heart. So I will bring him into the land he went to, and his children after him will receive land there. Let's have a Caleb-type spirit. You know, Caleb was full of vim and vigor at the age of 85 when he crossed over into that promised land, okay? Okay. And uh, that's what my prayer is. They keep me full of them and vigor, Lord, until you're finished with my work. And uh, also remember, too, that in leaving a legacy, there are young people that need your wisdom. They need your wisdom. They are looking. They are wisdom seekers. They want to know truth. And if we can invest into those, that is what it's all about, passing on truth from one generation to the next. You've lived a life as senior citizens where you've seen the glory of God at different occasions and different ways. You know, you've seen him work in your finances. You know, you, you've really been following him wholeheartedly to some degree. You have experienced God in ways that younger families have never experienced him. So you can pass on that encouragement to them, especially in their marriages and in their parenting. Uh, but, uh, also just teaching them about God. You know, 2 Peter 3.18 talks about grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that is what we can do. Wow. You know, and I was thinking about you, Keith, you said previously as well, and just in that segment about talking about that, that, that gen, the generations uh, below you, essentially, and you being mentoring and leading to them and and I think one of the things that we struggle with is just the engagement, the willingness to actually have a conversation because we think we can't relate to folks. Just because we have gray hair and they have pink hair does not mean we can't talk to each other and share together. You know, uh, and we need to be about the business of doing that. Now, here we are, guys. Um, you know, uh, we've gone through COVID. We're going through whatever's happening again, and we're experiencing that. And um, how's that impacted the senior adults in the church? We know, of course, that, you know, many have gone on to be with the Lord. Many have gotten to where they can't come to church anymore. 
lots of medical things, but how are we seeing that now in the church? I know, Mike, when you're looking at attendance and people coming in, I know how that looks. And uh, what, what, do you, what are we seeing now? And, and I think we've got a bridge to cross here with this, and we need to figure in, and, and pastors are struggling with how are we going to reach back out to these folks and engage them? And are, is it a different type of engagement today than it was prior to COVID? Yeah, I definitely think it is. And, you know, uh, I think we've tried different things and we need to continue to try different things to make those connections. I mean, for us during the COVID uh, pandemic and shelter in place and everything, uh, every, we were like everybody else trying Zoom meetings and Zoom calls and groups on Zoom and those kinds of things and online church and the whole works. But, um, you know, as we come back, uh, we, we've noticed that um, it's, it's, it's a little bit younger demographic coming back. And we have some of the, uh, the seniors coming back, um, but not like they were before. And, um, and then now we have a, right now, currently, we have a spike happening uh, with the COVID again. And so uh, one of our campuses has uh, uh, a little bit older demographic in it, or it has a good concentration of them. Um, and um, we, we've even noticed some of those numbers at that campus, you know, kind of falling a little bit. Um, so, um, so I think we have to engage them. And, you know, I think one of the best things that we could do, I mean, it's kind of an old fashioned idea, but it's just to, to, to make contact with them. I mean, we got to call them, we got to reach out to them and keep in touch with them and let them know that just because they maybe are maybe a little more cautious about coming out. Uh, doesn't mean that, that we don't care about them and we don't, you know, does it matter? Cause it does, you know, and I heard of one pastor who was, uh, is pastoring a young guy, uh, pastoring a small congregation. Uh, he's trying to revitalize this church. And, you know, one of the efforts he was trying to do was, um, do a, uh, a conference call, uh, Bible study, uh, every week with his congregation. And it's, uh, it's by phone. And so, it's just what works in his context. And so to me, I think everybody's got to look at their context. You know, what is their context? What works? And, you know, and, and it might even be a worthwhile effort to do some training, you know, with uh, some of the seniors on how to do Zoom and, and these kinds of things, if they have the computers that can do it and so forth. So um, I think, you know, there's all, all kinds of opportunities that we can, can, you know, come up with to get that bridge working for us. You know, it's funny, Mike, you talk about that and um, it, you're talking about senior adults and dealing with technology and Zoom. And I actually did a Zoom meeting to teach senior adults, leaders or pastors how to use Zoom to work with their congregations on Zoom. Right. That was a little bit interesting because they didn't know how to use Zoom to begin with, much less. So, you know, it yeah. was. It was it was quite the challenge, you know, yeah. to, to, to teach them to use something that they're trying to use to even communicate with you. So exactly uh, what, what's going on, Paul, with COVID? What do you think? What's the bridge that we need to build with senior adults? Uh, well, yeah, I think that's a great question. We when we first uh, came to, to Crossroads about a year ago, we were went into a community group that we have and nobody was wearing masks and my wife and I walked in with our mask on and all of a sudden these people wanted to hug us and welcome us to the room and they wanted to make us feel accepted and to be a part of that group and 
Well, here we were, we were fearful of that virus, okay, uh, to a large degree, because we hadn't had any vaccines or anything at that point. And so it felt a bit uncomfortable. So I think that, that the key there is that as individuals, we should respect one another. If we are wearing a mask, wear a mask out of unconditional love for the persons around you, especially uh, if, if they've got frail health, okay, you know, and different things like that. Uh, just, you know, show that unconditional love, you know, be there, okay? I think also I was going back to some old leadership training I had called situational leadership, and you just have to assess the situation, okay? And then you develop strategies concerning, you know, how do I – uh, you know, work through this with these people, with my friends, and because I want to love them unconditionally, uh, and they're challenged, okay? Well, let's find out. Let's ask some questions. You know, what are some of your fears? What are some ways together we could overcome that? That becomes coaching, a, co a coaching role in situational leadership. And so just learning how to uh, connect with people, talk about it, uh, be open with one another, and, um, you know, be respectful. Yeah, I think when we're talking through that, it's like it, it, I keep feeling the word communication out there. How are we communicating and what are we communicating to our folks by our actions and by and just literally how are we connecting physically? Are we calling them? Are we writing notes or whatever we're doing? Uh, that's needed at the time in the circumstance because a small church may do it one way. The large church may do it a very different way because the larger churches have much more of the technology and had it before we ever got to COVID. And, and they were kind of a step ahead of the smaller church. So we're helping, helping the smaller church understand that there are ways and need to be thinking about those ways as well. All right, the pastor's looking at all this and he's watching us today and he's saying, okay, I've got that group of senior adults and they meet on once a month on Thursday. And, you know, the local dog catcher comes and speaks to them at the church and they, they all have a casserole and then they go to, or they, or they go to lunch together after they're done. But yet we're not seeing disciple making happen. What's the pastor's next step? What's a first step or a next step for the pastor to help senior adults move toward disciple making? All right, Mike, tell them what to do, brother. Obviously, it's a big question. And, uh, you know, you jump right into the practicalities, you know, if you like, Um that uh, jumping right into practicalities kind of presumes and, and maybe even assumes a little bit that, you know, hey, they prayed about it. They know this is the vision that they need to uh, need to cast and the, the direction they need to take the church in. So having said all those things, um, I think, you know, you can never cast enough vision about disciple making. And, and so I think, uh, you know, there's got to be some very strategic, uh, I think, intentional um efforts uh, of, of getting that vision out there uh, to this demographic, uh, to the senior demographic. And, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, if you're going to take, try to take a class that's uh, been meeting together, as you say, they're comfortable, they like their group, and they've been together a long time. And then you try to turn that ship around. I mean, that could be a fight and a battle and just very difficult and a hard 
uh, laborious task, you know, and uh, why not, you know, I would think maybe a possible option would be to um, find some key influencers, um, some key, uh, maybe even some that are possibly open-minded to it. And uh, they, they love the pastor and they're, they're willing to follow his vision. And what if he took a handful of them himself through uh, some disciple, uh, you know, making uh, either curriculum or just a group and that type of thing uh, with the intention of it multiplying and, uh, and, and take them on that journey and let them through that process receive that vision. And then now they can carry that vision. I heard one time somebody say that vision, vision carriers become vision casters. And so, you know, you got to put that vision into them. And so that's a great way to do it. What if the, the pastor got a little group together and started meeting with them and they started studying these principles and the life of Jesus and the way he made disciples and, and they, okay, well, let's, how do we flesh this out in our church? And then those individuals go out and start doing that maybe in those classes. And, uh, and it's, it, it happens at a ground level almost, you know? Uh, so I think that could be one way to do it. Right. Um, but again, that's going to go back to what we said earlier about, I mean, context rules, right? I mean, we talk about context rules for scripture and context rules pretty much for everything. I mean, everybody's got to figure out how to work it in their context. So every context is different. So that's going to require maybe different methodologies possibly. So, but that's an idea that somebody could try. You know, uh, Mike, just that kind of spurred me to think about this. You know, a lot of, a lot of guys will say, may say, you know, I, I don't really know how I would do this with my church or lead my church to do something like this. But that does not excuse the fact that the scripture says that we're to be disciple makers and make disciples. And that's an individual mandate too. So we need to be, the pastor can get some folks to walk alongside of him and he can disciple some folks. Right. Exactly. And we need, we need, even if it's just in that context, it's just a simple matter of doing just that and you know in the chat today if you got if you're a pastor and you're or, or a lay leader or whatever in the chat today and you'd like to say hey i've got a group of three guys or five guys or four ladies or whatever it might be that i meet with every week and this is how i do it put that in the chat paul you got the last word to tell the pastors to, to straighten all the pastors out in the whole state of Georgia right now in disciple making and helping them work with older adults so there you go brother no pressure uh, God bless you. Thank you. Um, you know, uh, I'll tell you a couple of scriptures come to my mind. First of all, John 14, 21. In that passage, Jesus is saying, if we say that we love him, then he says, you'll keep my commandments. If you say you love the father, you'll keep my commandments. And he says, and I will manifest myself to you. Mm. Do you want more experience of Christ in your life? Do you want to really enjoy the favor and the love of the Lord at a whole new level? You become a disciple maker and you be obedient to that high calling of Christ Jesus that's on your life as a pastor and as a layperson and a leader in the church, whatever your role is in the church, you're there to equip the body of Christ. Uh, I'll tell you, every pastor would do well to review Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Make that a personal study. He says there that, and I'm not going to read all of it, but uh, 
says that we're, we're to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Mm. And what is that work of ministry? It's not just activities that we do. It's disciple making. Jesus demonstrated that. Jesus gave his life to make disciples before he went to the cross. His work of disciple making was finished when he went to the cross. And at the cross, of course, after the cross, after his resurrection, he gives us the Holy Spirit. And he had promised that. So each of us have the Holy Spirit. You want to have more of the Holy Spirit manifest in your life? Go and make disciples and walk with God in a holy and honorable way. And uh, yeah, I'm just reading a couple of highlights out, building up the body of Christ to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We need to be full of Christ. We need to be mature, complete, fully trained disciples, Luke 6, 40, as you well know. And then we're to speak the truth in love. That means we can correct one another. One of the greatest things that a pastor can do is to help his congregation know that the true leaders will remain teachable all the days of their life, and they will be humble people before the Lord. And, you know, when we do these things, okay, when we do these things, the whole body will grow so that it builds itself up in love. He says, my disciples will be known for their love for one another. We know that, okay? So friends, people, pastors, leaders, lay leaders, individuals in the church, join Christ's great mission, be a disciple maker and follow the commandment of Matthew, the great commission, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. But also don't forget Matthew 22, 37 through 39, you know, and put it all together and, and bring glory to God. It is to the Father's glory, John 14, 8, that we bear much fruit. And uh, that's how we should live. And I just want to encourage us all to, to live that way. Live out our days bearing fruit for the glory of God, our Father. Wow, that's awesome, Paul. And uh, thank you so much for sharing today and sharing your heart and Mike as well. This has been a good time together, and we want to just encourage you, you pastors and leaders out there, to really focus in and help those older adults to become real disciple makers in your church and leaving that legacy in their lives that we would so wish that they and so much want that they have. Uh, you know, uh, you can get in touch. <clears throat> excuse me, get in touch with these guys today. If you'll go to their website at impactdisciples.com, and they're both consultants there, and you'll find their contact information there, and you can connect with them. And if you've got a, a more in-depth question or conversation about impact discipleship, uh, uh, you can go there in that, in the impact discipleship ministry, you can go there. And I want to thank today Ray Sullivan. He's not seen on this screen, but he is behind the scenes, and he's helping us way down there in the southeast corner of the state uh, as one of our consultants and helping to produce today. And thank you, Ray, for doing that. And thank you for giving to the cooperative program. Uh, because of that, we're able to produce these and provide these and provide those to churches all over Georgia and associations and also even around the world. So we're just grateful for all you're doing for the Lord out there and serving pastors and leaders in churches. And we thank you and praise the Lord for what you do. 
Thanks for listening. We want to continue the conversation from today's broadcast in a learning community near you. These learning communities are designed to celebrate your biggest wins, resource your greatest need, and help you finish well. We also want to give you a free gift, the five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world-impacting disciple makers. You can download this resource by going to ministryboom.com. This five-page PDF is a discipleship alignment checklist. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptists to the cooperative program. For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit gabaptist.org discipleship. Engage with us on your time through Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and all podcast platforms. Lastly, if you've benefited from this conversation today, please share this with a friend as we seek to help churches make world-impacting disciple makers.